Tonight we are continuing our series called The Kingdom of God. This is week two, okay? We had a break last week because of foot golf, and we started week one two weeks ago. Um, So we kicked off this series two weeks ago by talking about how Jesus has given his followers, a.k.a. the church, the responsibility of spreading the kingdom of God here on earth until he returns. So far, we've looked at the kingdom come, the kingdom here on earth uh, of God. Uh, Tonight, we'll be looking at the kingdom's cost. Uh, And we're going to be looking in the book of Matthew again this week. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. A couple weeks ago, we were in Matthew chapter 21. Uh, tonight is Matthew chapter 13. Through, throughout this series, we're going to be looking at different parables or stories that Jesus uses uh, to describe the kingdom of God. And, and we're going to take a look at two short parables tonight. But these two little parables, uh, they have some, some really big implications for our lives as followers of Christ. And so um, even though they're, they're short, even though they're small, we, they have um, uh, a lot of significance for us who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to take a look at those tonight. But before we read these parables, before we talk about them tonight, we're going to do a little treasure hunt, okay? And so Van has, uh, yeah, you guys have the cards? They're, they're going to be handing out cards to you. Now, it's very important that you don't show uh, anyone else. Now, this side over here, you're all going to have the same directions. And this side over here, you're all going to have the same directions. But do not show them to each other. It will not be helpful, trust me, Okay? So, so as much as you, you might want to cheat or, or wonder what the other person has, it won't be helpful for you. So read the directions on the card, and you need to follow the directions on the card, specifically on the card that you've been given, okay? A couple guidelines here that, that aren't written on the card. You'll need to stay in this large room. There's, there's no reason to go out of this large room. There's no reason to come up here on the stage or in these two rooms next to the stage, all right, everything else, you can look under things, you can look in things, uh, just make sure that if you open doors or cabinets or whatever, put them, close them back, okay? Now, does everybody have a, have a card with directions on it? Are you clear about what your directions are? Any, any questions? Okay, we'll spend about 10 minutes or until a couple people find them. If you have a question, find me or a leader. Remember not to show your cards to anybody else. All right. Come back, have a seat. Make sure your Bibles are still. Now it doesn't really matter where you sit, but uh, stay where you came from, okay? Um, make sure your Bibles are still open to Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to take a look at tonight's two parables, okay? In week one, we did a little who, where, when uh, why and how before we got into the parable itself so that we could have a little bit of context behind it uh, to help us understand it a little better. All right, are you guys all good over here? I hear some talking. Um, so we're going to do the same thing tonight. The two parables that we'll be looking at tonight are back-to-back stories that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. So if you uh, aren't quite there yet, go ahead and turn there while I'm talking about these. These two parables, they compare the kingdom of God to something of great value. More on that in a minute, but first let's break down uh, the context in which these two parables um, are spoken tonight. So the who, okay? In week one, Jesus was speaking primarily to the Jewish leaders when he was talking about the parable 
of the evil tenants. Uh, not so here. The, in this case, Jesus had just finished uh, teaching a large crowd, and he's now speaking privately to a group of his disciples. Um, the where. Jesus had been speaking to the crowds by the Sea of Galilee, and now he and his, re- his disciples returned to a nearby house where they'd been staying. At the first part of Matthew chapter 13, you can read about that. And so here Jesus continues to teach to just his disciples. Um, the when. These parables were spoken around the latter part of Jesus' ministry, the, somewhere around the latter part of the second year of, of his ministry. The 12 disciples, they'd already been chosen and called, uh, and the Sermon on the Mount had already been given. However, the disciples had not yet been sent out to preach, even though uh, earlier in Matthew, it mentions that. Matthew itself is not written in a complete chronological order. And so uh, some of the events, obviously, in Matthew are, are out of uh, sync with one another in that sense. So, so this, is, this is after the 12 have been called. This is after the Sermon on the Mount is given. Um, but this is before he sends them out in pairs. And so he's got them in a house, and he's talking to just them. Uh, The why, the purpose behind these parables is to instruct Jesus' disciples the true cost of their discipleship, the true cost of what it means to follow him. It's true that our salvation is a free gift given by grace through faith. However, a genuine acceptance of that gift will bring complete and total change uh, to our lives, and it will cost us everything. And we're going to talk more about that tonight. Uh, And then finally, the how. The two parables, they're both uh, simple stories detailing the discovery of something incredible, of incredible value, which is the kingdom, and the finder's willingness to give everything he had to obtain it. The idea of treasure being uh, hidden in a field seems odd at first glance, but, uh, and we're going to read about this in a second, so this will make even more sense to you, but, but no, real banking was, uh, uh, no real banking system was in place at that time, and it wasn't uncommon for people to simply hide their treasure or their valuables uh, in a field or even inside their house. I don't know if any of you live in an old house. Uh, maybe you have found something in the walls before or up in the ceiling when you've redone something, um, but sometimes people... Uh, they stick their valuables in, in somewhere close where they can keep it close and nobody else knows where it's at. Okay? This is what they did a lot back then. All right, with that context in mind, then I need um, Haley and Luca to come up here. Let's give them a hand. They're the ones that found the uh, valuables. Okay, Luca, here you go. Now you guys can open those and, and we're going to read. Um, yes, because I'm going to have you guys. Read the parables rather than me. We're going to read Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. These are the two parables, okay? You have treasure, right? Yeah. Okay, so you'll read first. So you can follow along up on the screen or in your Bibles. Haley's going to read the first parable. This is the first parable of the hidden treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Matthew 13, 44. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. And then Luca's going to read the second parable of the pearl. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of the great value, one of great value when he went away and sold everything he, everything he had and bought it. Matthew 13, 45 through 46. Awesome. Let's give him a hand. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. So,
So yeah, the uh, the treasure envelope was was in uh, inside that fire extinguisher case over there. Yes, you found it, but you weren't supposed to find it. Uh, and then the pearl one was actually taped underneath this fire extinguisher case up here. Mackenzie, you felt it. I'm pretty sure when you walked past. Yeah, I thought you had it at first. So, and then in each one of those, um, there are two $10 gift cards to Target. Okay, so you each have $20 to spend at Target. Uh, and you have the parable now. So, um, three short verses, okay? That, that, that's, that's our main uh, scripture tonight. Three short verses but with a huge message. This is the parables of the hidden treasure and the, and the pearl of great value. These two stories, they can be easily missed. They can be quickly overlooked as you're reading through uh, Matthew chapter 13. Um, but but uh, we need to slow down tonight and take a look at these because they point out two critical things about God's kingdom. It's cost and it's value. And those are the things we're going to talk about tonight. Okay, um, Haley and Luca... How far would you guys go, now that you know how much those are worth, $20, right? How far would you guys go to keep those if I told you that you had to give me something in return? What do you think? Well, let's say I, I told you you had to give me what, what money you had in your wallet. For the 20 Do you have more or less? In my wallet right now? Yeah. You have more. So would you keep those, or would you keep the money in your wallet? In your wallet, right? What about you? What if I asked you for your dog? You'd keep your dog, right? Why? Why would you guys keep that instead of keeping those, even though you found those things? Because they're more value to you, right? Your, your money, the, the money that you have in your wallet is literally worth more, and your dog is more valuable to you than two gift cards to Target, right? Okay, how about everyone? Is there something in your life, is there something that you can think of um, that, that, you, uh, that you would give up all you had in order to get it? Is there something that you can think of in your life or, or in this life that you would give up everything that you had in order to get it? Anybody? Cats. You really like cats. Your family? Yeah. A pickup truck? Okay. Anything else? Yeah, Tito. Either or, either or. If, if it's something that you already have that you would give up everything in order to keep or something that you don't have yet but you would give up everything in order to get it. Yeah. Heaven? Yeah. Friends? Okay. Anything else? Yeah. Your dog? Okay. Okay. Now, yeah, Dalton. Everyone? Everyone. In both parables, the kingdom of heaven is compared to something of great value. Uh, in verse 44, it's a treasure. In verse 46, it's a pearl. In both cases, the men sell everything that they have to acquire this item. Now, I've already mentioned this, but it's important enough to mention again, okay? So I want you to, I want you to hear this. Uh, this isn't even the last time that I'm going to mention this tonight. But uh, these parables are not giving the message that we can earn or buy our own salvation, all right? They're not giving the message that we can earn or buy our, or buy our own salvation. We can't do anything to secure 
salvation for ourselves. If we could, we wouldn't need Jesus, would we? No, salvation is a free gift from God by his grace alone, and we, we receive that through the faith that he gives us to believe in him. We are saved by grace through faith. That's Ephesians chapter 2. And when that happens, then we become a part of the kingdom of God. But in order to be a part of the kingdom of God, we, we must be prepared to give up everything for God because that's what he demands of us. In Luke 14, chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, you can write that down. Luke 14, chapter, or Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, Jesus talks about the cost of being a disciple. And so I'd encourage you to look that up later this week. Maybe uh, ask your parents to read it with you and talk about it. Uh, But Jesus also lays out the requirements of entering his kingdom to his disciples. Another way in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. You can flip over a few pages to get there if you want. Um, I'm going to read that to you. It'll be up on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what, is, what exactly does he mean here? Okay, if, he, if anyone wants to be a follower of Christ and a member of God's kingdom, there, there's three things that Jesus says here that we're going to have to do. And so let's break this down. Number one, deny yourself. All right, so what does that mean? It, it's not about giving up all your worldly possessions. You're not going to get booted out of the kingdom of heaven for having an iPhone, right? Uh, if that's the case, then I need to do something with mine. Um, But if you hold that phone of greater value than you do of God, then guess what? That iPhone or or insert any kind of electronic thing here or material possession here, uh, that has then become your God. If you hold that in greater value than you do God himself, then that thing has become more important to you than God. And it's become your God. It's not about abstaining from certain foods, okay? You're not going to get kicked out of the kingdom of, of heaven for eating bacon. Praise God, right? Um, uh, but if you value food more than you value God, then food has become your God. Do you see where I'm going with this? See what I'm getting at here? It's about submitting your will to God's will. It's about holding him at highest value over everything else in your life. To pray as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and crucified. He prayed, not my will, but yours be done. When he was facing uh, his imminent death, his, his crucifixion, Uh, he still prayed, God, not my will, but yours be done. So to truly follow God, we have to stop going our own way first. We have to to give God command of our lives. And and, and it's, it's, I'm admitting that I'm no longer in control of me, but God is. Okay, so, so are you there yet? Have you, have you made that confession? Do you admit that God, that you're no longer in control of you? Do you admit that God is in control of you? And are you living that way? Second thing Jesus told us to do is to take up your cross. Uh, the imagery here, and remember, he's talking to the disciples, his 12 disciples in this house. Uh, the imagery here um, would, would, would have been crystal clear to the disciples, even though they didn't uh, know yet that Jesus was going to be crucified. They, they hadn't revealed that to, to them yet. They weren't that far along uh, in the story yet, okay? And so, Jesus wasn't the first person to ever be crucified, though. It was, crucifixion was a common method of execution in the Roman Empire at that time. It was typical for a convict uh, 
who was sentenced to death by crucifixion to carry his own cross to the crucifixion site. It was this humiliation. It was, uh, it was just a reminder that he was going to die. And when Jesus says to take up your cross, then it's a, de- it's a demand to die to ourselves, to die to our old sinful way of life and to be raised to new life in Christ. It's also a call to suffer as Jesus did. Being a disciple of Christ doesn't mean that life will be perfectly pleasant and happy uh, from here on out. 1 Peter 2, verse 21 says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So the example that Christ set for us was to come, to suffer, and to serve, and we're to follow in that step. So you skip over a few pages to chapter 4, and it says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered in, in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for, human, for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. See, we die to ourselves and we live for God. And it doesn't always mean that we'll be physically tortured, okay? That, that happens. That happens across the world. We still have... Uh, freedom of religion, for the most part, here in America. Uh, we're able to meet here without the threat of somebody coming in, breaking down our doors, and, and killing us for our faith, or torturing us for our faith. But, and that may happen someday, we may get to that point here, but, but it doesn't mean that we'll necessarily be physically tortured, but it does mean that we will face hardships, we will go through trials in our lives uh, that, that uh, stretch us and cause us uh, to continue to uh, uh, to have to choose and make, and make that choice of elevating God above all those other things, of valuing God the most and, and uh, keeping him in priority. Um, two days ago, my older sister and her family, I helped them pack up a moving truck and they moved to Florida. Now, this doesn't necessarily, from an outside perspective, maybe doesn't seem like that's something terribly hard, Okay. And for the most part, it's, it's not. It's not like they're leaving the country. It's not like any of them have died or anything like that. But, but for me personally, I, I can tell you, Monday night, I bawled like a baby. And I haven't cried that hard. I can't even remember the last time. Because my older sister has been this, this um, pillar for me, okay? She's, she's been this, um, I, I, I can think of very few people in my life who have, uh, molded me and shaped me more in my, um, in my personal walk with Christ, in my spiritual life, than my older sister. And, um, and so, uh, you know, thank goodness for technology that, that we can FaceTime and Skype and things like that. But, but man, it, just knowing that she won't be physically here anymore, that's really hard for me to deal with. And I know some of you, maybe you've lost a loved one or maybe, maybe you've gone through something like that where... Um, you know, you've had to say goodbye or, or whatever, but, but, but here's the thing, okay? And I'm not up here to, to share that story with you, to, to have a pity party and say, oh, look at me suffering for Jesus. But, but it, it's real, okay? Life is not always full of, of the choices that we make. If we're following Christ, they're going to reflect the will of God in our lives. And sometimes God calls us uh, to places that we don't necessarily want to go or, uh, or we... Um, maybe at first at least, but we know that, that because of 
his calling in our lives. And because he's Lord of our lives, we're going to follow that even though it's difficult. And that brings us to the third thing that Jesus says. He says to follow me. Now, my sister, she'll tell you uh, that, that, um, that this is God's will. And, and I believe it for them. Uh, that this is the next step that God has for them as a family to move down there. And it is seriously one of the hardest things for us as a family to walk through together, knowing that they're going to be so far away. Um, but, but daily, we need to choose to follow Christ. Daily, we need to choose to follow Christ. Uh, sin and temptation, they'll creep in constantly. Selfishness and greed, they'll gain footholds in our life if we don't continually, every day, make this decision to follow Christ. As a follower of Christ and a member of the kingdom of God, every day and in every situation, we need to commit to making Christ our priority, to continue to, re, to be reminded that he is of highest value in your life over everything else, including where you live. So are you catching on to the theme here? Even though we could never pay enough for salvation and, and entry into the kingdom of God, it's, gonna, it's still going to cost us everything. We can't earn it, but yet it still costs us. Salvation is a free gift from God, but along with it comes total uh, life change on our part. We no longer serve ourselves or our own will. We serve God and his will for us. But this is not a call to a life of misery. Yeah, we'll go through some hard times. We'll deal with some things in our lives. But God is not calling us into to a life uh, style or a lifetime of misery. Quite the opposite. John 10.10 10, tells us that Jesus came to give us a full, abundant life. And because of Jesus, we can have joy in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials and the things that we go through. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. He knew what, was, what would be the outcome of that. Uh, and, and so following his example in suffering, we can also follow his example in rejoicing in that suffering. God doesn't want you to give up your plans for your life because he wants uh, you to be unhappy. He wants you to give up your plans for your life so he can work his plans in your life and lead you into something that you could never ask for or imagine or get to on your own. So, we've established that uh, to be a disciple, we must be prepared to give up everything for Christ. We know what the cost is, right? But is it worth it? Right? Just like I asked Haley and, and Luca, uh, they, they knew what the cost would be, but, but there's, a, there's a, uh, a scale there of what they value. Right? And so, is it worth it? We know how great of a cost it is. Is the cost worth the value? Something that's going to cost us everything should be of the utmost value, right? And so, the parables of the treasure and the pearl, I think, suggest that it is. It's of utmost value. In both cases, the men willingly and joyfully gave everything that they had to gain it because they saw its true worth and they knew that it was more valuable than anything else that they'd ever seen or known. And so what makes the kingdom of God so valuable? I want to give you a short list of truths that apply to every citizen of God's kingdom. You can write these down, um, but, but uh, I might go a little too fast for that. And that's it's okay. Don't feel like you have to write all these down. I'll post them on our Facebook page and then you can also come back and listen to the podcast. That's written on your note card there. Okay, and you can listen to that and get them later. But I would encourage you to look up the verses uh, that go along with these truths. So, if you are a citizen of God's kingdom, if you're, you're a, a follower of Christ, these truths apply to you. You're wonderfully made. 
Psalm 139, 13 and 14. You are created to do good works, Ephesians 2.10. You're chosen by God, Colossians 3.12. You're rescued, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You are a child of God, John 1.12. You're forgiven, Colossians 1.14. You're a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You're free from condemnation, Romans 8.1. You are a saint, Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. You're a priest, 1 Peter 2.5. You are righteous and holy, Ephesians 4.24. You're able to approach God, Ephesians 3.12. You are complete in Christ, Colossians 2.10. You're God's temple, God's dwelling place, 1 Corinthians 3.16. You're a member of Christ's body, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You're gifted by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. You are a joint heir with Christ, Romans 8, 17. You are a citizen of heaven, Philippians 3, 20. You're an alien to this world, 1 Peter 2, 11. You're an enemy of the devil, 1 Peter 5, 8. You are a minister of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5.18. And you are salt and light, Matthew 5.13 and 14. Now, you can't find these things anywhere else but the kingdom of God. And this isn't even an exhaustive list of all the valuable benefits that we receive as members of God's kingdom. Citizenship in the kingdom comes at a great cost up front, but it's immeasurably more valuable than anything this world has to offer us. And this world has, to, has a lot of things to offer us. And at first, it would appear that they, they cost us very little up front. Uh, um, slogans like, have it your way, or you deserve this, or what, everything focuses on us and makes us feel like we are the center and that we deserve things. We're entitled to things, and, and, and things should be given to us without us having to work at all for them. The things that the world offers us look like they cost us very little up front, but in the end, if we choose the world's offer over God's offer, it will cost us everything anyway. And then it'll be too late to receive the free gift that God offers now. So, have you given your life over to God? Do you see the immeasurable value in the kingdom of God? Have you denied yourself? Have you taken up your cross and died to yourself And are you following him? Are you choosing daily to trust him to lead you? It's a a singular attitude that results in many decisions and and actions in your life that reflect that attitude of surrender. Like Peter said in 1 Peter uh, 4, verse 1, the man who has suffered in his body is done with sin. That doesn't mean that once we die to ourselves, we no longer have sin in our lives, right? 1 John uh, 1, 8 tells us that. If anybody claims to be without sin, Uh, He's deceived himself, and the truth is not in him. But as long as we're alive on this earth, God will continue to reveal to us through the Holy Spirit that he's given us, that he's he's put inside of us as believers in Christ. Uh, The Holy Spirit will then reveal to us the sin that we will have uh, to deal with. 
But the question is that when, that, when, that when the Holy Spirit reveals sin in your life, will your actions reveal your attitude or, or your value where you hold God? Will your actions reveal that you value God most and that you are uh, in an attitude of total surrender to Him? An attitude that is done with sin, like Peter says, will result in a, ch- in a changing of allegiance in your life. Sin no longer has power over you. So when the Holy Spirit reveals it to you in your life, you surrender it to God then and you rely on His power to keep you from continuing in that sin. So I want to close by giving you a few minutes to do business with God tonight. Just you and Him. You and God both know where you stand before Him. Some of you have given up everything to follow Christ. Now you've made that commitment in your life and you're members of God's kingdom. Some of you have chosen not to give up everything, not to die to yourself, and not to follow Christ. And right now you're building your own kingdom where you are in control. And, and, I, and I want you to just hear me when I tell you this, and I'm telling you this because I love you, and I want you uh, to know the truth that gives you freedom and everlasting life. Your kingdom will not stand. Philippians 2 tells us that one day every knee will bow to the one true king, and every tongue, every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all things to the glory of God the Father. So my challenge tonight to you then is to be like these two men in the parables that we read tonight. Give up everything now to gain something worth more than can be humanly measured so that one day you don't lose the only thing that's ever been worth obtaining the free gift of salvation offered by God's grace through Jesus Christ. So, take the next few minutes and talk to God. You can write notes on your index card if if that helps you. Um, But I want to ask you not to talk to one another, okay? Give Give your friends some space tonight to deal with this. Because this will not go away. This decision is the most important decision that you can make. What do you value the most in your life? Is it God or is it something else? And if if it's something else, confess that to him tonight. Tell him about it. He already knows. Tell him what you've been holding back from him. Surrender those things in your life and commit to following him for the rest of your life. If you have questions and you need to talk to somebody, don't talk to your neighbor, don't talk to your friend, but pull one of the leaders aside and, and talk to one of us. And we'd love to talk with you and pray with you. And then I'll close us in prayer in a few minutes when we're done. So uh, take some time now and talk to God. God, thank you for sending your son to make a sacrifice that we couldn't make, to live a life that we couldn't live. to pay a price that we couldn't pay. Lord, I pray that, um, that you would help each one of us in here tonight to see the true value, the utmost value of the kingdom of God and, and uh, through salvation in, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray that, that those in here who uh, have been living for themselves, who have set up a kingdom for themselves, Lord, that you would... Uh, tear that down in their lives tonight. Pray that God, uh, that they would, all those things that, that, that uh, 
that we value more in our lives than you, that those things would melt away, that they would uh, lose their luster, that they would, um, that they would wither up, and that we would be overcome by your glory, by your grace, by your mercy, by your love, by your truth. And Lord, uh, I pray that uh, that tonight is the night that. Um, that students in here, uh, students or parents that would listen to the podcast um, who've been living for themselves, I pray that that, uh, tonight is the night that they begin to live for you, that they would sell everything they have, that they would give up everything that they have and count it all uh, as rubbish compared to knowing you. And Lord, that together we would pursue you in a life Uh, that brings you glory. We love you, God. We thank you for who you are. Thank you that your kingdom is here, and it's in the hearts of every believer, and I pray that you would continue to to multiply it and, and grow it until you return for your bride, the church. Lord, we love you. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.